This is Generation Education. Join educator Ruth Baynott Mondays at 11 a.m. as she explores modern parenting, physical, emotional and social development from pregnancy through adulthood. Mondays at 11 a.m. right here on 101.9 High FM. Welcome back. You're listening to Ruth Baynard on Generation Education 101.9 High FM. And I have with me this morning, Tamor Lifshitz. She is a midwife and we're going to be chatting all about pregnancy, during pregnancy, birth and post-pregnancy. Good morning, Tamor. Hi there. Thanks so much for having me. Great. Thank you so much for joining me. So Tamor, let's chat a little bit. First of all, before we even get into it, Tell me a little bit about the role of a midwife. A midwife assists with those wanting a vaginal delivery for uncomplicated pregnancies. So they're for low-risk pregnancies. As soon as there are some complications, they would need to check if it's okay for them to continue or there might need to be a referral to the obstetrician to then assist with the pregnancy and or birth as needed. Right. And and if a person is using midwife, do they still go to the gynae or is it one and the other or the other? So generally the midwife will assist with predominantly your pregnancy and your birth and postpartum. However, you do still need a gynae or an obstetrician who's going to be your backup. So because we know that pregnancy and birth, things don't always go to plan, mm-hmm. we do need to have a backup. Um, majority of the time, they will see the gynae at about 28 weeks and at about 36 weeks. They'll usually give the go ahead then at 36 weeks to say, you know, everything looks good. You can continue with your birth with the midwife. And then if there's an issue or an emergency during the actual labor and birth, then she can call upon that gynae to assist her at that time. Right. If they require a cesarean section, the gynae is going to do that. A midwife does not perform cesarean right. section. <laughs> Haven't got that surgical license yet, eh? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> and Timor, what is the difference between a midwife and a doula? Okay, so a midwife is a medically trained practitioner. A doula is not. So a doula will be there for support, predominantly um, your emotional support, your physiological support, um, but they are not trained to deliver. They'll just help you through the process. They also are there to support the father um, or the birth partner so that they can also experience the, you know, the labor, the birth and to be present there. Um, Whereas the midwife, she's medically trained, so she's going to make sure that the health of the mom and the baby throughout maintains as safe as possible. And then she will do the actual delivery. She can suture after if the mom has torn um, and, and just to monitor baby as well. Right. And if in a scenario where mom, she's been coming to the midwife and now reaches a situation where she has to go to hospital for the birth, can she still have the midwife in hospital with her? Yes. So a lot of the times moms can choose between having a home birth where they would understand that they might need to be transferred to the hospital. Alternatively, they can go to a birthing center 
So there are a few around as well. And then the other option is to have a midwife-led hospital birth. So where they are already in hospital, but it's predominantly covered by that midwife. And then you've got the nursing staff in the hospital that will come in and out, like the different nurses on the shift as they come in and off. Right. And you mentioned about a birthing center. What exactly is that just specifically geared towards moms giving birth? That's right. So it's moms wanting the home aspect, but in a more medical facility without being in hospital. Right. Okay. So do they have the whole set up, up to, I would assume, not the neonatal ICU? So they don't have a neonatal ICU. However, some of them do have a operating room. So if they do need an emergency cesarean section, it can still be performed there. Um, others don't. So okay. they would need to be transferred to hospital for that cesarean section. Right. And I suppose that's where you would come in or the gynae would come in to know which is a high-risk pregnancy or someone that is an ideal candidate for either a birthing center or a home birth. Exactly. And that's why they need to be cleared by the gynae, um, usually at about 36 weeks, because a um, low-risk pregnancy we're looking at from 37 weeks. So okay. otherwise, it's preterm. So they've got certain criteria that do need to be met for that low risk. Right. And what are those criteria? So generally, you'll look at things like Having a term baby, so anything that's preterm, they usually require support thereafter. Um, in terms of medical conditions for moms, it also depends on whether it's controlled or not. So, for example, gestational hypertension or um, gestational diabetes. So, if it's uncontrolled, um, you know, baby's not doing well, then we look at that. So, we look at how baby's growing, if they've got something called IUGR, so it's um, intrauterine growth restrictions, then it shows that there might already be issues either with the placenta or with the growth of the baby and, and just the general conditions condition of the mother as well. So if if she is, let's say if she's got other medical conditions that already make it quite challenging just without mm-hmm. a pregnancy, then most likely she will need closer monitoring by the doctor to check her health and the baby's health. With regards to a home birth, you know, you hear of people that they do it in water, they do it on the bed. Once again, is that different criteria? Is it just the choice of the mom? How does all that work? Generally, it's the choice of the mother. So most moms know that they would like, let's say, a water birth. Um, Sometimes the plans change, so you have to be flexible. So sometimes we might need a position change or if the midwife is struggling at the time of the birth, she may ask the mother to get out of the water. But that's that's up to the laboring woman. Sometimes they don't want to be around water or they might just want to labor in the shower or the bath, for example, and not in a specific birthing pool. But the criteria for that, there, there isn't really... Right. And let's just touch a little bit on birthing plans. I know that a lot of moms do like to have a plan in place, but obviously we can't plan everything and things do go wrong. What would be your advice to moms with birthing plans? I always tell my moms that they have to be flexible. So a birthing plan talks about your preferences, things that you would like or how you would like them done. But if push comes to shove and there's an emergency, it's not going to be according to what you want, but according to what is safest for you and your baby. So I do like the idea of birthing plans because um, 
regardless of whether you're having a vaginal birth or a cesarean section, it allows you to be a more active participant in your labor and your birth or your cesarean section. And it's so important for moms to have that input. So it's not a medical system that's just telling you, you are allowed or you can, or you can't. Mm -hmm. And it just helps to give them that little bit of extra input. Right. I suppose it gives them just a sense also of control, in some way. Something that can't be controlled. Yes, that's exactly exactly. it. I suppose, especially if you're an A-type personality like me, I would plan everything down to the minute. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So moving on to now, we're talking about vaginal birth and cesarean section. What sort of care and what is the difference in terms of recovery from the two different births? So with the cesarean section, it's considered major abdominal surgery. Um, The recovery can take time. It can be painful thereafter. However, we also have to remember, you know, the skill of the doctor, the pain tolerance of the mom. So it's not a black and white answer. Um, Some moms recover so beautifully after the cesarean sections and other moms really struggle. Um, In terms of vaginal deliveries, it's also, again, dependent on the situation. So, for example, if it was a very uncomplicated and very straightforward birth, then that usually goes quite well. The moms usually bounce back quite quickly because there's no surgery involved. However, if they did tear, for example, um, that can be quite painful because it might need to be sutured. Um, Usually day four, day five after that, it's it's itches and it hurts quite a bit. Mm. But it does then heal quite well after that. So I usually find day four and day five are quite challenging. Um, but the recovery with a, you know, in, in terms of also for me and my personal experience, having had both a cesarean and a vaginal delivery, um, I definitely found the vaginal delivery a lot easier in terms of recovery. Right. And breastfeeding, how does that affect the healing of the uterus? I remember once hearing about that breastfeeding can help the uterus to contract and to become smaller. Is that true? Yeah, so it is true. Basically, what happens is that when you're breastfeeding, the hormone oxytocin is released, which helps to push breast milk out of the breast. In the same token, it's also the hormone that's used to push a baby out of the womb. So what it does is that's what causes your contractions. We want the uterus after birth to be well contracted. So it should be hard, almost like a cricket ball. When it's well contracted, the bleeding is a lot less and your risk of hemorrhage is less. So when you're breastfeeding and that oxytocin is flowing, it helps to keep that uterus nice and well contracted, thereby preventing hemorrhaging and also helps the uterus to shrink down in size. And then that will help it to go back into the pelvis and to become smaller again. Right. And obviously, that's not saying anything bad about bottle feeding, because there are those moms that either choose not to breastfeed or can't breastfeed. Does that make a difference in terms of their uterine recovery? So if you don't have the the hormone kind of going, it can take a little bit longer. But generally, we see that the uterus inverts, you know, for about two weeks or so and then will come down. But it's up to mom whether she chooses to breastfeed, to bottle feed. It's also important to remember that even if some moms are bottle feeding, that some might be expressing milk exclusively. So Mm. they're still getting the benefits of it while pumping and then still bottle feeding. Right. And that's something that I think we can discuss at another time, because I think that on its own is quite a 
big discussion always in terms of a mom with this new little baby. What are some of the more common difficulties that you tend to find that moms struggle with? The biggest thing I would probably say would be the fatigue um, because the baby's waking up so frequently, feeds can take up to an hour with changing nappy and all of that. You get very little sleep in between and we kind of call them mombies mm-hmm. instead of zombies. <laughs> and moms definitely struggle with the fatigue. It also puts strain and tension on the relationship with her partner because everyone's just short of patience. They're tired, they're irritable. Um, and as a result of that, it can affect your relationship with your partner and bringing on those emotions. So I would definitely say that would be the biggest. Next, I would say that breastfeeding, if moms do choose to feed that way, can be extremely challenging, um, you know, from sore nipples, um, baby being irritable, coming on and off and on and off. And just getting the latching and the positioning right, it can be very, very challenging for moms. And it, it humbles you, right. um, especially if you've been there. I think th- something else that's quite a challenge is um, in the world that we're in now with COVID. A lot mm. of moms are scared. We're, we don't have that support system as much as we did because we're scared to let people come close to our baby in case they've been in contact with COVID. And as a result of that, I find that the support system is a lot less. Um, For first-time moms as well, uh, you know, having a new baby on its own is a completely new experience. A lot of moms aren't sure or confident in changing nappies. What should baby be wearing? What is the temperature of the bath? How often do we bath? What products should I be using and how often? And, you know, is is what my mom told me the right thing? Is that what's current research or practice? It's a lot of guilt a lot of confusion and it's it's a challenge yeah i always say being a mom comes with a daily dose of guilt (laughs) so yeah Mm. And, and antenatal classes are those still a thing do people still do those I recommend it for first-time moms to get the idea of it. For those who are more experienced, oftentimes they they already have the hang of it. So I offer classes for moms which I tailor to whatever they're requiring. So, you know, whether they're specifically tailoring it to an elective cesarean section or they are attempting a vaginal delivery. Um, I look at your relationship with your partner, baby care, breastfeeding or bottle feeding, um, you know, the techniques that we use there so that we can answer as many of their questions as possible. I also find that it gives them one person to approach, you know, besides mm. for their midwife and their gynae, where they can get trusted answers. Right. Because a lot of the time you will ask many people. Firstly, the people tend to give you a lot of love like horror stories, which doesn't help an expectant mom um, and gives her more fear. And secondly, a lot of the information out there, it's contradictory to what other people are saying and Mm. they then don't know who to trust. So I always give the most up-to-date research. And if there's a few options, then I explain the different options to them so that they can make an educated and informed decision and then take it from there. Because it's not black and white. That's it. And I suppose also, to kind of trust your gut as well because the midwife and the doula and the gynae and the nurse at the hospital and whoever else and your mother-in-law they're all going to give advice and the advice probably is all correct but it's all different and I would assume rather just choose that one person who you actually trust and follow that advice because if you try and do everyone's advice I think you would drive yourself absolutely nuts 
Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So just to finish off, let's just talk about what would be your top tips for moms in terms of afterbirth, looking after that baby. Let's talk about maybe those first six weeks. What would be your top tips to a new mom? So if a mom is breastfeeding, the main tip I always give her is never quit on a bad day because you're not making a rational decision. And then I often have to help some moms to relactate because they regret stopping and they wish they would have gone through. So in terms of breastfeeding, that would be my top tip. The next one is that I recommend that moms take a 10 minute minimum shower every day. And you know, you know, that we'll go every three to four days, our hair's in the mom bun. And I just find that if you shower, you're refreshed, it gives you better perspective, you feel more confident. So I recommend showering. I also would recommend that you give dad things that he can do on his own to help baby bonding. So usually I recommend um, that he should bath the baby And you just leave him to it so that he gets to bond. You get some time off and you don't feel like you have to do everything. And lastly, I would say is have a discussion with your husband or your partner beforehand so that you know how you would like things done. And so that your parenting style, even after baby so little, is the same and it's cohesive. Once you've discussed all those important things, it's, it makes it a lot easier to, to make sure you're on the same page, less arguing, less fighting. Right. And the biggest tip I can give for maintaining that relationship with your partner is that you should go on a date at least once a month and you mm-hmm. do not discuss your baby and you do not discuss their poo. <laughs> Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's, I think, a very good If you good know, tip. you know. <laughs> Something else that I actually wanted to ask you, I remember when mine was a newborn and, you know, the books had said to me or wherever I'd heard it that uh, he was bottle fed and every four hours they need a feed. So I was that mom that if it was three hours and 50 minutes and he was crying, I'd be waiting. No, you can't have it yet because the book said. <laughs> Yeah. And and now, you know, things change because now we, um, especially when I, when I do my classes with moms, we actually even look at responsive feeding, even with bottle feeding. So it's, it's interesting how within, you know, a few years, things can change so much. Yes. Yeah. And I think once again, for mom to follow her gut instinct and just know that she's okay and baby's okay. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Tamor, for chatting with me this morning. It's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure. And that was Timor Lipschitz. If you're wanting to hear any of the previous podcasts or re-listen to the interview today, go visit the website, the High FM website, where you can hear all the different podcasts. Also, I'd love for you to email me on ruth at chai.co.za and tell me what are you thinking and what is your experience. Coming up next, we've got our news and views. We're still going to discuss what national day is it today and, of course, anything exciting that's been happening. So don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. You're listening to Generation Education and I am Ruth Baynard. Is your shopping list longer and your time shorter? Dischem Delivered has you covered. From healthcare essentials to baby food, beauty and toiletries, 
Whatever you need, Diskem Delivered has you covered. Download the easy-to-use Diskem app and shop over 7,000 products at in-store prices that will be delivered to you within 60 minutes. Now you can relax while Diskem delivers your essentials to you. It's that simple. Diskem delivered. From Diskem to you. Diskem Pharmacies. Pharmacists who care.